Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sports Tap. I'm Nani the Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Lou's a hotly contested one um, against the Phoenix Suns, dropping by a score of 114 to 106. A bit of intentional fouling at the end, obviously, to extend the game. Um, and that sort of inflated the scoreline. Ultimately, it was a one possession game in the last minute here uh, on the road um, against a team that you know, hasn't really played well on the balance of the season, but has played decently of late, winning, I think, five of their last six. They definitely had more connectivity, and um, Phoenix played really well. I think, first and foremost, I got to give them a lot of credit. Um, this is a really undermanned team. Like, Devin Booker is, I don't know, man, at worst, the fourth best guard in the entire uh, Western Conference. Um, he's so good, and so you don't have a guy like that. Um, and, of course, you're missing some other pieces as well. Um, it's it's going to be uh, a struggle for you the whole entire way. And and yet the Suns got a lot of guys to step up, a lot of guys who stepped up who didn't really have a great game against the Raptors, you know, back when Toronto played them in um, in December. Um, I thought, uh, you know, DeAndre Aiden was it was a big, big, big um, difference in this one. Had 22 points and 13 rebounds last game. I think he had like four or five points. Like it, it was clearly like an invisible effort from him. And then Bridges, who, you know, just didn't really get into the game last time. Um, this one, he has just a phenomenal night. Probably the best player for Phoenix. 29 points and was just awesome. They don't win with either of those two guys stepping up the way they did. Um, and on the Raptors side, you know, you, you didn't get what you needed to see. I mean, some of the, you know, games that you play on the road, you got to play them really tough. And I think two things. Number one, you you need your superstar to sort of take over and, and assert control. And that's where I didn't think Pascal at any point in this game had a good grip on how to attack it. Like, yes, he did score 19 points on 7 of of 17 shooting, and that includes a a late heave at the end there. So 7 of 16, let's just say, Um, which is a decent game for most players. But again, it it just never had that feel where uh, Pascal was consistently in control and and causing problems and, and getting into the heart of Phoenix's defense. Phoenix does have... Um, scrappy wing defenders, let's just say that. But at the same time, you know, nobody who, you know, unless you're really going to talk about bridges, and of course there are ways to force mismatches on cross screens and all that kind of stuff where you're able to uh, to to create the mismatch, you would have wanted to see Pascal create advantages in this game. And when you look at the overall total, the fact that he got 7 of 17 shooting with only one assist and three turnovers, he didn't really impact the game the way you needed him to. He was more like a finishing plays like a role player more than he was creating plays by himself. And obviously we know that he's more than that right now, but you know, he didn't really step up in the way that you kind of really needed him to. And then the other thing is, okay, so you don't have that. That's fine. But at the same time, can you be perfect and make all the big plays? And that's where the Raptors, whether it was unforced errors, whether that was coaching decisions, whether that was some crucial end of game mistakes, that's the stuff that really burns you because the opportunity was there, even as good as Phoenix played, um, you know, and, and they had three guys really step up for them in the way that you needed them to, um, you know, and as good as they played defensively, right. Their effort against Pascal was excellent, but um, you know, they, they, they still weren't able to pull away from this game at any point. I mean, you know, they, they weren't able to, um, you know, to, to, uh, to tear away and, you know, that's where you look at some of those individual possessions. You know, let's start with unforced errors, for example. And the two of them are sticking out to me. Look, the Raptors had a huge turnover issue at the start of the game, and that was everybody. Fred had a threw a lob to directly to the Suns. 
Um, you know, Pascal was dribbling it out and stuff like that. You know, Scotty was dribbling it out. But the Raptors' turnover problems kind of ended in the second half, except for the fact that on some crucial possessions, the Raptors made some very, very silly plays. For example, and the two that's sticking out to me, number one, Gary Trent Jr., um, either creates the steal or, or gets the loose ball. Either way, it's a two-on fast break. Gary's leading it. And I think, you know, somebody who's back for the Suns, one on their wings, but two-on-one with Pascal trailing the play. And that's where 100% of the time, unless they're actually not 100%, 95% of the time, you pass that to Pascal after you, you make a move to the basket. Um, you dump it off. It's a it's a guaranteed two points. It's as close to a guaranteed two points as possible. The only time, and the only 5% exception, is if they just completely trail off to Pascal and they give you a wide open layup or dunk, you do that. And instead of doing the right play there, Gary decides to jump out from way too far out. And he has this habit uh, in transition where he like leaps from way too far out or he runs in with way too much speed and, you know, whatever. But he tries to go for the dunk, misses the dunk, falls over because he's going, again, out of control with so much speed. And instead, Phoenix goes the other way. And Cam Johnson, I believe, nails a three. And that was a five point swing in a game that came down to one possession in the final basket and in the final game. Right. So that's one that really burns you when you think about the game tonight. And then another error where, again, it's another one involving Pascal, where I think Scotty had um, created the deflection or whatever, but he was leading the fast break. And, you know, Phoenix had multiple players back, but the Raptors did have numbers, especially because Pascal was running uncovered on his uh, on his right. And I know Scotty saw him. Scotty's got great court vision. But instead of laying it off to Pascal and making the simple play, and Pascal would have got made a move to the rim and either scored himself or made that extra pass to the guy in the dunker spot for, for a cut for a dunk. Again, another opportunity where you got to get two points. The Raptors don't get that. Instead, Scotty tries to dribble, dribbles into a guy instead, then tries to spin and gets the poke free, and the Suns go back the other way. And they get to uh, score in a semi-transition opportunity where I, th- I believe the Raptors didn't get numbers back because, again, you know, the, when you turn over a live ball like that, it's a real issue. And... um Damian Lee was at the three-point line driving inside. Scotty was guarding two, um, you know, between the ball handler and also the, the the dunker. And so he's stepping in for the fake charge, and Lee just goes up. And by the way, the, the one that issues with the fake charge is when you put your hands down, it is a very easy look for your opponent to look over you and shoot over. And whatever, Scotty's whole idea is, okay, I'm going to put the arms up last second and contest you. But Lee got a very clean look at it and was able to make the floater over top of Scotty. That's a four-point swing. So we're talking about a five-point swing and a four-point swing. Ultimately, there are two plays that are not made. But when you can look at the end of the game, how much could you have used nine more points? You know? And, and that's where those are the unforced errors that the Raptors made. There are also forced errors in the sense that the Suns play really good defense. But you also think about some of the late plays not made. Because, look, even with all those opportunities, the Raptors were up one with three minutes left. Um, and you know, whatever, that's, that's hardly like a commanding lead or whatever. My point is though, they're in fully in the game. And what are the opportunities that the Raptors make down the stretch there? Um, you know, Fred misses uh, a wide open three, Gary misses a wide open three, Pascal misses a wide open three. The Raptors shoot nine or 33 from deep tonight. Um, you know, obviously that was not great. Meanwhile, Phoenix is able to come back the other way. Bridges gets free in the mid range for another two jumpers. Bridges had so many mid range jumpers today, by the way. Um, looking like KD at times, honestly, like I, I, can't, I couldn't believe my eyes. Um, meanwhile, Chris Paul, 
after the Suns win a key offensive rebound, even though the Raptors get the stop, they don't get the rebound. The tap out goes straight to Chris Paul, and Chris Paul steps in for a three and nails it. That goes from a one-point game in the last minute to a four-point game for Phoenix, right? And, and those are the opportunities. Or the Raptors get another stop the next time down, down four with, you know, I don't know, two timeouts and 45 seconds left, uh, which is a manageable opportunity. It's still not great, but it's manageable. But instead, they don't get that because DeAndre Aiden is able to uh, get the tip in and, and win another key offensive rebound. So you're talking about in the last minute there, Phoenix's last two buckets are both off of you getting the stop in the first place. That's the frustration in this game. Those are the plays that you don't make, and those are the margins that you don't have. And it's different if Pascal dominates this game in the way I kind of really expected him to, and he really couldn't. Or it's different if you make those plays, but you can't do neither. You know, and and that really negates the fact that you had a good opportunity to win here. I mean, this is another example where you're facing an opponent that they don't have their top player, right? We've seen what the Raptors missing Tatum recently, Giannis recently, uh, Booker tonight, right? Um, who else? Like LeBron and AD didn't play when the Raptors, you know, hosted them. Or you know, thinking back more recently, there was one game I forget who. Did I mention? Yeah, Giannis. Well, whatever. But the point is, though, like teams have been resting guys against the Raptors, right? And you, I mean, obviously, this in this case, Booker's just injured. He's been out for a while now. But like, you have a great opportunity. And and it's not to say that the Suns are, uh, you know, a pushover. They're not a pushover. But, you know, you needed something to come together for you. Um, I, I think the other part that was confusing to me, well, not confusing, it's just, I didn't like the way the Raptors approached the fourth quarter here. And this is what I'm saying. So the Raptors, um, they they were they were trailing at half. They were down uh, eight points or nine points at halftime. Um, and Phoenix had made a couple of big plays. Chris Paul nailed a three at the end of the first quarter, nailed a three at the end of the second quarter as well. So it's not just that Chris Paul only had 19 points. Chris Paul made huge plays at the exact times that felt like daggers, especially at the end of quarters, right? So um, you, you trail by nine going to halftime. Now, what's good to see is that the Raptors came out with a 10 nothing run to start the third in two minutes and forced Phoenix to call the first time out. And their defense was way more aggressive. They forced some turnovers out of Phoenix, and they're not a turnover-heavy team at all. Um, they were able to get a couple of stops, win a couple of key rebounds, and go the other way, make some shots, get to the rim, make some layups, all that kind of stuff, and briefly take the lead. And for the most of the third quarter, the Raptors were actually, not just briefly, they were able to hold the lead for for stretches now it wasn't like they held the lead as in they led by significant numbers but they were able to nudge ahead and stay ahead and trade baskets for a while there which was great to see and ultimately when you're heading into the fourth quarter the raptors were up two okay i think the final the score there was like 92 to 90 or something like that um or actually that's not right that's based on the, the math forget that the, the raptors are up two all right at the end of the third quarter um my thinking was okay Phoenix has rode their guys pretty hard in throughout the third quarter because, uh, you know, Monty Williams really wanted to maintain control of the game. Of course, the Raptors were, you know, had essentially robbed the momentum away from Phoenix. And um, even though the Raptors weren't up by a lot, um, you know, the Suns really wanted to press their guys and play their main guys. So Bridges played a lot in the third quarter. Ayton played a lot in the third quarter. Chris Paul played a lot in the third quarter. Usually what the Suns like to do is take Chris Paul out at like the five, six minute mark of the first and the third and bring them back at the end of the first and the end of the third, maybe for one or two possessions and then start the second and fourth quarters. Right. Um, but they couldn't do that, especially in the third quarter because they needed Chris Paul in the game and they played him for like 10, maybe even 11 minutes in the third quarter. So I was thinking brilliant golden opportunity start of the fourth quarter. They can't have CP in the game cause he's old and they got to give him some rest. 
that's a chance right there. And that's where you turn your two-point advantage and you press it and you extend it and you firmly take the lead. You force Chris Paul to come back in early in the game and then you, you, you see what you can go from there. You have the younger team. You have the fresher team. What can you do in that situation? And I understand from Nick Nurse's perspective, okay, I also want to buy my main guys some time to rest and some time to breathe. But that to me, like that, that just wasn't the time. I wanted to see an opportunity where the Raptors started the fourth quarter with some of their bigger guns. And I'm not talking about like, let's put your starting five out there and play them for the entire second half. Although let's be real. It's not like that's beyond Nick Nurse at all, right? But what I didn't want to see, and I speak for every Raptor fan when I say this, I did not want to see a lineup coming out of the fourth quarter after you just won the third quarter, you're on the road, it's a tough game, you know you have a chance here, their best players are going to sit. I didn't want to see Malachi, Wancho, Thad Young, and Chris Boucher together on the floor. I'm sorry, with all due respect to those guys, that is not a lineup you play against any team. Any team, unless you are actively winning the game and it's like, you know, victory cigar time or you are actively trying to tank the game. Not in a game where you're on the road in a two-point possession against a two-point game against Phoenix. Phoenix has a decent bench. And when the Raptors came out with that bench, it's not like the Raptors lost that, those minutes by a huge margin or anything. But when you watched it, you saw that the Raptors lost their momentum. And it was like the, Rap, it's, the Raptors couldn't get good offense opportunities. They, were, they told Scotty to lead that group. And listen, Scotty has led some great bench groups recently, right? But, like, this is difficult. We're, it's not like Scotty had it going throughout the course of the game and he was creating advantages, and then you're saying, okay, now you got to carry that over. You're telling him to turn it on for himself, then turn it on for four guys. And it's not just four guys. Listen to those names. Malachi, Wancho, Thad Young, Chris Boucher. That is not a group that has any self-starters. So you have an opportunity there where you just couldn't really generate any offense. And, of course, when the Raptors' offense goes cold – that means there's a chance for Phoenix to run. Now, at least the Raptors are able to have the sense to, okay, we're going to play a zone D and, and really try to create some stops and protect the basket. Issue is Phoenix just so happens to have some pretty mobile bigs. It wasn't like Phoenix came out with Bismack Biombo, who was their, their backup center in the first half. No, Monty Williams is smart, He's and he has options too. He says, I'm going to go with Dario Saric, and I'm going to go with Jock Landale. And those are not significant players at all. It's not like they had a great game, although Sarge did have 11 points in 14 minutes. But the point is, those two are versatile bigs who are well-made to play against the zone. They move without the ball, they cut, and they are a threat to hit from three. And if you leave them wide open for mid-range, they can hit from mid-range as well. And guess what? Sharich and Landale combine for like a, you know, a stretch there where they're just cutting behind the Raptors' zone or they're finding the spaces in the mid-range at the rim, driving from the perimeter. They score and they get baskets. And then, you know, to, to rub the salt in it, I mean, like even Saban Lee, who the Raptors cut from the 905, or not cut, the Phoenix sign from the 905, um, he drives in for a tough bucket. And, and he plays some tough pressure defense. And instead, the Raptors have to call the first timeout. Um, the only play they had was Amalekai missing a wide open three. Then the rebound happened to just drop right to him. And he stepped up for, for another three. Um, and then they had Thad Young for, for a duck in for a layup. But Thad Young also missed uh, another layup. And so Raptors go from not having the control, but getting yourself back into the game, and then you just completely deflate with that group. I'm sorry. I'm, I was so sick when I saw those four guys together. With all due respect, I will see. Th- I might even see three of those guys together, but I don't want to see four. I don't want to see four. Why is Wancho in there for? Like, what, what, what was Wancho in that group for? For real. Like, I'm sorry. Extend some of the minutes. Like, extend some of the minutes. 
You know, like you first off, it's not like you don't have enough forwards, right? Why couldn't you have gone with Scary and Okay, Gary might have been a little bit tough, but let's say Pascal and, and Scotty against that group, right? Who in that group from Phoenix, especially where they're going to play a front court of Saric and Landale, is going to be guarding Pascal in that group? And why couldn't you have played Pascal more when you consider the fact that Pascal uh, had three quick fouls in in the first quarter, in the first half, and he had to sit in, in, in with like eight minutes and thirty seconds left in the second quarter, so he had to sit for an extended stretch in in the second quarter. And of course, you did play him a lot, large part of the rest of the game. But, like, keep Pascal in there. Then you have another hub to play with. You know, like, Scotty and Pascal can play off of each other. Get him a chance to even get going as well. That was a missed opportunity. Instead, you play Wancho, who's just, like, he's he's not good. He hasn't done it. He's become the new Pat McCaw. And I actually kind of like Pat more, to be honest. But regardless, okay, you missed an opportunity. However, Nick Nurse comes to his senses, calls the timeout, brings some of the starters back in. Uh, I think he brought back in Pascal ironically, right? You could have just started the game with Pascal, a quarter with Pascal, but it said, okay, you bring Pascal in. Pascal is able to create, I think, uh, a, a pick and roll look for Thad, uh, who scoops it in. Then Thad makes a great play, dives on the floor. This is the second time Thad Young has dove on the floor tonight. Dives on the floor in the middle of the play um, to, to secure possession, um, dishes it off to the Raptors, and I think it leads to a Malachi 3 on the wing. And the Raptors all of a sudden get back into a possession where they're, they're back up again. However, um, the, the, they're lost in rotation. Um, two guys fly out at Damian Lee, who misses the first three. But because two guys flew out at him, no one's there to box him out. The rebound goes straight back to him. And Lee nails the three, which is fair enough. I mean, literally, that has, that's what happened with Malachi as well early in the quarter. So instead, Phoenix takes the lead. But listen, it's still just two points. And both teams bring in their starters with six minutes left. And, of course, it's a mad dash towards the end there. And, you know, and those games does make you nervous, right? Because I, I know Phoenix maybe haven't been as clutch this season. Um, I'm sure Booker's injury has, has, has really affected that. But this is a team historically that has been really, really good in crunch time. In fact, I would even say they're, they're, they're clutch merchants. I don't mean clutch merchants in the way that the Raptors are clutch merchants with five clutch clients. I mean clutch with a C in terms of like Chris Paul is really, really good in these crunch time moments. And these guys just feel confident in crunch time in the way that the Raptors don't get the same feeling. And um, defensively, the Suns were able to regroup again, get back to being really disruptive. And the Raptors just, again, I, I didn't know who they could play through, right? You you couldn't really play through Scotty as much because he wasn't able to generate his own offense uh, tonight. Um, Pascal is the guy you would normally want to turn to, but he was really struggling to generate against Phoenix's offense. So the one guy you had was Fred Van Bleet, who, you know, look, listen, he played really well in this game. He played really, really well in this game. Um, and it's not just like the, the, the box score itself. It's the timing in which he created plays. Because each time Phoenix made momentum um, sequences and the crowd is getting into it, it would be Fred who would make up a huge play. For example, Phoenix went on a 9 nothing run towards the end of the third quarter there. And it was looking like, okay, even though the Raptors came back uh, and took the lead, that Phoenix would walk into the fourth quarter with the lead. But instead, uh, the Raptors break that dread, uh, uh, that, that dreadnought by um, that, that, that deadlock. What am I saying? It's too late at night, man. These games shouldn't be played on the West Coast. Um, but Fred comes down the floor and pulls up for three. One of those, like, it wasn't even like he was open, but he took that three on behalf of the team, knocked it down, and that broke Phoenix's momentum, quieted the crowd, kept the Raptors in the game, right? And in that stretch, the Raptors' offense really went dry. Pascal missed some mid-range jump shots, missed a jump hook in the lane. I mean, could have been called for a foul. Um, 
either for Pascal on the offensive or defensively for Bridges. I mean, there was tons of contact. Both guys ended up on the floor. Then Gary jacking up two threes. Like, those weren't good looks either. So Fred comes down and knocks down a big three for you, right? Meanwhile, you had uh, opportunities there where in the fourth quarter when Fred comes in, late clock, 1.4 seconds left on the clock. Fred gets into the mid-range, knocks down a tough tough mid-range jumper then the next play down he runs pick and roll with scotty scotty rolls because two guys come to fred because he just made the jumper fred makes the pass over the top to scotty who rolls to the basket and finishes and so those little type of little momentum sequences that's the stuff that you love to see from chris paul when you watch chris paul's teams they opponents can't get away from them that much because chris paul makes a play here there and, and it just really really keeps the team in it and then of course he makes the most out of every single small opportunity so obviously chris paul is a way better player career-wise than, than, than fred van Vliet. but similarities between those two guys in this game and and fred was making a lot of stuff happen you know out of nothing like a lot of late shot clock scenarios where he had to attack in the mid-range he was really money on that side of the floor um, had uh, a, a really, really nice ball fake where he faked the, um, the, 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 he did like a sleight of hand essentially, right? He, he, he faked it as if he was going to cross over to his left, uh, from his right, but instead he actually, um, stayed with the right and almost essentially, I guess, I don't, I don't even know. That was a really good fake though. It's basically a really, really good ball fake, um, I wouldn't fully say the sham god, but kind of the same idea, right? Where you, you fake like you're going to cross over to the other hand, but instead you bring it back and go in, in towards the, the dominant hand. And the right hand here where he fakes out Aiden at the top of the floor, gets into the lane, Euro step around the contest, takes the bump, and then finishes on the layup with the left. Like beautiful, beautiful stuff. Like genuinely really, really nice stuff. And Fred was driving and kicking and finding guys. And, and, and you know, defensively, I thought, that was an, an issue just because of the fact that the Raptors wanted to switch up the, the matchups. But um, offensively, I thought Fred gave it to you, and, and, and he was great. And in fact, like if it wasn't for Fred generating offense, I genuinely don't know where it would have come from. Because again, some of those other guys weren't really in it for you. Um, but you know, defensively, I think that's where some of the issues were. And and that wasn't necessarily that Fred wasn't able to, or wasn't like giving energy on that end or making reads. I think this is just where the size really hurt them because the Raptors what they their strategy against Chris Paul in the last few matchups here has been consistent and I said it even in the in the in the Monday show on the Raptors show with Alex when we were previewing the game I talked about how the Raptors are going to open with Scotty Barnes on Chris Paul and they're going to put pressure to Chua on DeAndre Ayton and what they're going to do is they're going to aim to switch that pick and roll because Scotty and Precious are both able to guard both those two players and neutralize some of Phoenix's advantages. Now, first off, Phoenix did a really good job anticipating that because the Raptors have used that against them as recently as last month. And instead, this time, Aiden was able to get easier seals and duck-ins. And even when he's rolling to the basket and the Raptors switch, even small things like he rolls quickly at first to get ahead of his player and then trap him on the on, on his back so that the defender for the Raptors switching onto the play is actually in front of the ball and essentially almost fronting the post and then passing over the top to 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 Aiden who's able to then finish in the lane stuff like that he was getting much more opportunities and it seemed like he was much more prepared to to guard against that style of defense because again the Raptors literally used that strategy against them last game um not only that, though, but I mean, like, you know, they, they just finished a lot of other plays better tonight, too. Like, their execution was much stronger. Um, the one trade-off with that type of defense is that that means that Fred is not guarding Chris Paul the way you want him to, right? Because obviously you don't want Fred guarding Aiden. Although, I will have to say, 
I almost liked it better defensively when the Raptors had Fred on Chris Paul, because even though you don't want to switch that, what you can do is, yes, if Chris Paul gets a screen from DeAndre Ayton and Ayton's, you know, bringing pressures onto the play, you can still switch pressures onto Ayton or onto Chris Paul on the perimeter. And you have Fred switch onto Ayton. Now, all you have to, it's a difficult switch there because it requires a second switch. But what you can do is then scramble and, and get Fred while he is in that position where he's rolling and guarding Aiden on the roll, you have a third defender rotate over from the wing and Fred rotate out to the perimeter. You see this scram switch happen all the time for the Raptors. That was another option for the Raptors to guard it. And sometimes you saw it tonight, but you know, mostly you saw essentially the, the, the two uh, most switchable defenders on, on, on the main central pick and roll action. And the point that I'm belaboring here is that, okay, now that means Fred has to guard someone else. And now if you're Nick Nurse, your decision is where do I put Fred? Right. The other players on the starting lineup, you could put it on, I suppose, Cam Johnson, who, um, you know, was getting guarded by Gary. The thing is, you also have to put Gary somewhere. So, OK, so they decide to put Gary on Cam Johnson. Honestly, fair enough. Just two shooting guards guarding each other. Pretty standard stuff. Right. So then the option is you have Tory Craig um, and Mikhail Bridges. And between the two of those guys, who's going to guard who? They had Pascal Siakam guarding Tory Craig and they had Fred VanVleet guarding Bridges. Um I think in retrospect, you probably want to switch those matchups. And the reason here is obviously the fact that Bridges was able to get into the mid-range and shoot easy like easy looks because of the fact that he had such a smaller player guarding him in Fred. And listen, Fred was able to pressure him for some steals in the third quarter, but outside of that, Bridges torched them. Even in the fourth quarter, there were stretches where he would just shoot over the top. And I want to say torched them in the sense that like, oh, Fred would just like, destroy them the matchup. He physically can't contest Bridges who has like long spindly arms. He's six foot eight and he's fading in the mid range. How, what's Fred supposed to do with that? As, as unless Fred's like able to swipe the pickup point uh, as he's going up for the shot, there's nothing you could really do against that. Especially even if you guys, guys want to duck in and cut in the mid range. Yeah. You're probably saying, well, you'll live with mid- Bridges making mid range shots. Well, damn it. You also died with Bridges making mid range shots. Right. And so that's where I would have thought, especially after the first quarter, when it was very clear that Bridges got off the hot start and exactly on these types of plays, you probably wanted to see Pascal guarding Bridges instead, because now you would have a player who has even more length than Bridges guarding him. Now, I think the part of the reason why they didn't want to do this is because defensively, what they wanted to do was, okay, yes, you're going to switch the pick and rolls with with uh, Chris Paul and Aiden. However, Aiden is still bigger than Precious and Scotty. So what you still want to do is be able to help at the rim and bring someone over to contest, right? And that's where you put Pascal on Torrey Craig because of the fact that he's the non-shooter in this lineup. And what you can do is help off of him and have somebody help at the rim. Now, of course, who would you rather have help on the rim? Scotty or Fred VanVleet, who's guarding Torrey Craig, or Pascal Sag, who's guarding Torrey Craig? And that's where it's like, okay, I understand what Nick's coming from in the sense that he wants to bring the bigger player to help at the rim. That's all fine. However, the point is, they, I don't think they got the most out of this defensive matchup. And it's not to say the Raptors were, like, horrible defensively. Like, 114 points is respectable. But at the same time, Phoenix's half-court offense was very, very good tonight. And I just think that maybe you would have wanted to see some tweaks, maybe some some changes. And that's not to say Nick didn't make any changes. He made some... He, he, he shifted the zone. He, he changed up some of the individual matchups at times, but for the most part, he kind of stuck with it. The matchups in the start of the first quarter was the matchup in the end of the fourth quarter. And ultimately, the Raptors got burned in those stretches to start the first quarter and the end of the fourth quarter. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, look, the, it's obviously way easier to say this in retrospect, right? Um, but at the same time, I'm thinking about it as even halftime, some of these changes could have been made. And um, yeah, you know, 
I, I, I just got to say, I'm not happy with Nick Nurse's coaching in this game. Not only because he played that, that, that just horrendous Tampa tank level lineup to start the fourth quarter, which completely broke the momentum. Uh, not only played that lineup, but you also, which I understand because you want to buy minutes, but I don't understand because look at the four players you got out there. You're basically waving a white flag. And then um, I didn't understand not switching up some of the assignments. I, I would have really liked to see it um, because it was very clear that Bridges was honestly their go-to half-court option a lot of the time. Not that he had the ball, more curling off ball, but you just needed some bigger guys on him. And the fact that he nailed two more mid-range jumpers in the fourth quarter in the same way he opened the game, I'm like, yo, how do you not make adjustments? I thought you are known for adjustments. I thought the whole idea was the adjustments, uh, you know, like all. Anyway, whatever. Um, so uh, in order to wrap up the show, though, because look, ultimately they played hard and, and, you know, there's another winnable game that the Raptors couldn't really ultimately take. But I understand at least sort of what went into it. But, um, yeah, I just want to wrap it up here because I don't want to, you know, uh, keep my night up too late here. Uh, your three stars, first star is going to Fred Van Vliet, 24 points, four rebounds, nine assists, uh, a steal, a block, three turnovers. Most of that was in the first quarter. Uh, it was strange to see Fred sort of, you know, mishandling the ball a couple of times or throwing a bad lob here and there. He's usually so secure. Uh, but nine on 19 shooting from the field. A lot of these were heavily contested as well. Phoenix did so much to try to stop Fred and he was still able to generate. Um, but yeah, he missed a free throw, which I think is the first time he's missed one in like two weeks. Um and he fouled out, which is the first time in his career, although that was just intentionally fouling at the end there. But, um, yeah, he was undeniably the Raptors' best player offensively, generated so much for you, made the important timely plays as well. And, um, yeah, defensively, I, I don't even think he, he – it wasn't like he killed the Raptors as in Fred was, like, unable to make the reads, unable to make the switches. Just physically, he needed to be on a different matchup, especially if they wanted to put all their size in the middle pick and roll there instead of putting Fred on Chris Paul. Uh, like you normally would. And then, of course, you wouldn't have all these complicated mismatches elsewhere to manage. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what can you say? He he, he played well. Uh, uh, so, yeah, he's going to get the first star. Second star for me. Um, I mean, OK, I'll give it to, I'll give it to Scotty. Second star. It, it's not like definitively he was he was he had an excellent game by any means. Um I don't think it's fair to ask him to lead that bench group. And I think that it, both in the second quarter and in the fourth quarter, I didn't think he was able to to create enough advantages. Um, but I did like the connective way that he played. I did like the physicality and the defense. That he, I mean, ultimately, look, Chris Paul was 5 of 11 from the field. Two threes at the end there were not on uh, – at the end of the first and second quarter, they were both not on Scotty. So, you know, you, you held him – I mean, not in check, but, like, this is an average game for Chris Paul. 19 and 9 is very average for him, right? So – um, I think Scotty did a great job defensively. Battle with Aiden, step to Aiden on one point two. They had a little face to face confrontation. It was cute, whatever. It's nothing, uh, but you know, made some connected plays, made some good reads. Defensively, was hustling and and, and like honestly, for a young player, like I, I this is I'm pretty impressed. Like I'm, I'm trying to like keep things in perspective. I know we expect a lot out of him, and the Raptors do as well. They put him in these huge positions, and they put all these responsibilities on him. To the point where it's like, okay, 16, 7, and 5, that's like an average game. I think that's basically his average anyway on the season. But I thought he he he, he impacted the game and found ways to play well. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to see more force going downhill. But, of course, you can say this after every game. Like, how many times have we sat, sat here and been like, I want to see Scotty more downhill? Ultimately, you should be pretty happy with what you get. This is a pretty good two-way performance from him. So I'm going to give him the second star. And then your third star, I mean... I don't know. I, I don't want to give it to Pascal. This is much below his app, his his capability, especially in this matchup. Don't want to give it to Gary because I thought he. I mean, I just I can't get over that not not passing the Pascal on the opportunity. That's a five point swing. That's just gonna. Uh, um, so I, 
it's, it's not like Precious played that great either. But maybe I'll give it to Precious. 11 points, 12 rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block. I mean, uh, wasn't like excellent. But at the same time, I thought in the pick and roll, at least he wasn't hurt that much. Finished around the basket. I, what I don't like from Precious right now is he's turning down threes. And not just like, okay, um, you know, threes where... Um, you know, he, he's early in the shot clock threes, but I'm talking about like less than 10 seconds left, pick and pop opportunities wide open. And instead of taking the three ready to catch no contest, anything like that, he's making the next action. I like next action basketball, but I also need you to take the open threes. Precious, you're a good enough three point shooter to take those and whatever. If you miss a few of those, of course you, you shift away from it, but it does really shift the onus now to other guys to create late shot clock. And of course, Raptors don't have good late shot clock creators. So take the shots that are there, Precious. Like, this could have been a bigger game where he has, like, 18 and 12 instead of 11 and 12. And largely, it was just him not taking open threes. So um, tough matchup, though. Uh, I, I thought, uh, you know, it's not easy playing the pick and roll against Chris Paul and Aiden. So, but, you know, decent game. So those are your three stars. Um, your Gerald Henderson Award winner. That's obviously going to Mikhail Bridges. 29 points, six assists as well. Three steals, a block. Just a dominant play. Honestly, maybe the best player on the floor tonight. Like, so, so good. Guarding Pascal as well. Huge reason why Pascal struggled. Um, yeah, just a just a really, really pesky defender, man. And, um, you know, what can you say? Offensively, he, he was really good as well tonight. So... It's a tough one. The Raptors, I think, um, lost a winnable game, but they fought hard to, to make it winnable in the first place. And ultimately, I think for me, it's just like, look, at, at least play hard. And this is not one of those games where the Raptors didn't show up. They showed up. They just, you know, they got outplayed in, in some key moments. And so tighten up the, the mistakes, um, you know, continue to, to, to play team basketball, trust each other. And, you know, when there, there are more winnable games on the road trip. Like, this is a tough one to play against Phoenix, who are like 19 and 8 at home now. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to end it. Cause I am to be honest, you could tell about my voice. I'm pretty disappointed in this one. So thanks everyone for listening. Continue to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Blake Murphy Tuesday coming up for you. And, um, yeah, you know, the Raptors continue four more games on this road trip. Damn, this is a long trip.